to those of you finding yourselves on this podcast for the first time my name is maitreya prithviraj khorpade welcome to what on earth an attempt to understand what humans are doing to our ecology how and why we are able to act in ways completely against nature as well as from where and whom we can find solutions to the buffet of catastrophes that we are all standing in line for Let's start today's episode. So as a kid I had the strangest idea of what life insurance was. I thought that life insurance was a sum of money we all get when we die based on how rich we were based on how valuable our lives were. Yeah, really stupid, right? I thought LIC had some kind of joint venture with the devil where they got this advanced list of who is going to die when and they're just standing outside your house waiting for you to pop before they slide a check under the door. <laughs> Now I understand that kids think some ridiculous things. For starters, obviously LIC doesn't have any kind of tie up with the devil. That would be Reliance Industries. <laughs> but but far more stupid was my as- assumption that the value of a human life is derived from the money the person has earned. that money and value are directly proportional and that is what today's episode is about the fundamental problem of modern economics and how it is designed to be antithetical to ecology that a diamond costs millions but basically does nothing while a tree is source for eternal life yet we clear them faster than a teenage boy clearing his search history while cristiano ronaldo gets paid millions to kick a ball around the air that he you me every single person breathes that's free And I understand the theory of scarcity and marginal value that there is only one Cristiano and many oxygen molecules which is why we will pay more for Cristiano than we do for air. The problem in therein is not that we pay Cristiano. He adds value to all our lives so maybe it's justified that we do. The problem is that our only conception of value is in the limited source of cash and currency. The problem is not money by itself. The problem is when we assume that everything can be valued and is in fact being correctly valued in money by the market and that's exactly what the gdp is the sum total of all value exchange measurable by money understand the gdp never factors in things like human satisfaction happiness prosperity interspecies equity the gdp will tell you how much food grain we're producing not how healthy our population is getting the gdp will tell you how many bridges and flyovers were built not whether we're growing closer as a civilization as a people understand that since the gdp includes government expenditure the government merely has to keep building roads and breaking them and then building them again all the while causing traffic congestion all the while ensuring that people lose time mental peace and satisfaction the opportunity cost of all those man hours lost often goes uncalculated understand that the cost of building just two metro lines in pune is the same as providing bus services to all of maharashtra but the metro is still coming up bridges are still getting built and torn down just because some greedy ass white kurta wearing deputy chief minister wants to make some money that's ultimately not even going to be the answer to all of his life's problems understand that i can go to a fancy glass store buy a glass vase break it in front of the guy who made it buy another one break it right there and keep doing that ad infinitum and the gdp will bloody love it because all of it gets added to the gdp but is anyone really better off after those transactions i can keep breaking the beautiful glass vases made with intricacy and tenacity right in front of the bugger who made them until he decides that he wants to do some breaking of his own and decides that my nose looks like a particularly great target well guess what me going to the hospital after getting my ass kicked 
picked by this badass glass vase artist that will also add to the gdp but is anyone happier after this ordeal has anyone seen any value added or rather is the sum total of value directly proportional to the amount of money each party gained or lost well, i don't know <laughs> it's a complicated question <laughs> which is why i have with me today dr gurudas nulkar dr nulkar is the sir ratan tata post doctor fellow at isec bangalore the endeavor executive fellow at deakin university melbourne and currently working as the head of department for strategy and general management at scmhrd pune he is also a trustee at the ecological society pune and has written several books on the intersection between economics and environment dr nulkar helped me understand that the reasons for why the modern economic system exists in the way it does why the gdp is by itself ineffective in understanding the levels of human prosperity why farmers continue to get the short end of the stick how genuine alternatives to our current economic systems exist are real and are thriving but more importantly why ecology and economy start with the same three letters in this week's water nut always say it's not a coincidence that ecology and economy both start with the word oikos you know oikos is the home that we live on in greek and uh, oikos uh, the eco word has come from oikos and uh, ecology starts with oikos and economy also starts with oikos so economics is essentially the science of managing scarce resources and allocating scarce resources but over time we have forgotten the scarce part of it and we have just thought of the, of economics as the science of allocating resources we've completely forgotten the idea of scarce resources so um if you look at um uh, the way initially trade started happening in the past when we were not dependent upon fossil fuel it was mainly into areas which were necessities for for survival for reproduction for essential well-being for some kind of prosperity in society and so on and so forth but once we had access to dense energy which was fossil fuel we could do a lot of things with minerals and because we could do all these things with minerals we could extract metals we could put them into shape them into stuff which made life more comfortable uh, made our hearts reduced our hardships and all of this then we started churning out more and more of those kind of products which were not really the necessities but which economists term them as discretionary products so these are at the discretion of the buyer you can either buy them or forego them you can buy them and make your life more comfortable or you can just avoid them and uh, keep doing whatever you're doing so over time as trade grew the production of discretionary goods started increasing and today if you look at the marketplace if you visit a mall if you just walk down a road you will see over 95% of the products which are sold are discretionary products barring the supermarkets and barring the grocery stores and barring you know certain items which are required for some comfort in life all of them are discretionary products and then because companies started getting into this uh, idea of quarter on quarter growth competing with the next fellow beating the hell out of the chinese or the us or the european you know inter country competition inter company competition the idea came about that how do you increase your size of the pie 
So one of the ways of increasing the size of the pie, which is your market size, is to go global. So globalization came into the world economy very early on after the Industrial Revolution, because England could not buy the products which their automated markets or with their automated industries would produce. They would make so many of them, and England did not have the capacity, so they had to globalize. They had to sell their wares outside. So this started happening. So one of the things which happened was globalization. The second thing which happened after globalization, the the other way that you could increase your pie is to uh, is repeat customers. And how do you have repeat customers for consumables or durables? Is to make their life shorter and to make them be consumed faster. So look at mobile phones today. I mean, a phone probably won't last you for more than one and a half, two years. It goes extinct after one and a half years, and therefore, then you have to buy a new phone. Shoes. Blades, disposable blades. Probably my grandfather used blades for about a month, but these days disposable blades won't last you for more than six or seven shaves. You know, so we have been making lives shorter. We have been increasing the range of goods so that uh, people consume more, and uh, the companies grow, economies grow, GDPs grow. and that becomes a founding principle of that now why is this obsession with growth why do we feel that gdp is the thing which must grow it is founded on one simple principle that growth solves all problems yeah if you have more money then the state can do better for their people people will live better the money will be distributed better in society everybody will be happier but over time we have seen that the economic engine does not work on the principle of equality or equity it works on the principle that those few who are privileged to earn more money keep getting more money and those few those numerous ones who are not privileged to earn money in the economic engine are the ones who are left out so they do menial jobs they are salaried you know most of us are salaried we we own our salary which doesn't rise over a couple of few percentage every year but companies and corporations can increase their profits by 15% by 20% by 50% so wealth starts concentrating into the hands of a few people and then what happens is those few people who have the wealth and the wherewithal they start deciding policies they look at how economy should grow they look at how natural resources should be subsidized they they um, influence governments to open up coal mines in um, extremely dense forests like maharashtra which has recently come in the newspapers they force companies to you know um, allow them to mine near coral reef beds in australia which has happened last year and so on and so forth so very quickly you have the people who are the biggest beneficiaries of the economic engine you have them influencing your policies influencing your governance and then it becomes a divergent spiral then starts then the things start getting awkward and then you know everything starts happening and then you burn more fossil fuel you add more greenhouse gases it gets more warmer and people who are driving the economic engine are really not bothered if it's getting any warmer because it's not going to affect their generation what dr nulkar has just outlined is essentially the making of the modern economic system what some people call late staged capitalism 
it highlights the very real limitations of our economy not only in terms of how it's built uh, on a bedrock of inequality and abuse of power uh, but also what it really values and and that's a quantifiable number of growth the value of everything is determined by its price but what about the value of the priceless modern indian society has done injustice to a lot of people these people have worked to maintain all that is priceless about life our farmers for instance are people we have been grossly unjust to for starters we patronizingly refer to them as our farmers when making a point about them not realizing that even amongst farmers there are small large medium landless laborers and we've polluted our soils by encouraging the use of chemical fertilizers we've thrown our monsoon cycles completely out of balance we've given meager political attention to lakhs of agrarian suicides and the most any one of us has done for farmers is to name a jam after them how valuable really is the food we eat well judging by how much i've wanted to take a lunch break for the past hour i am assuming it's right up there in terms of our priorities but yet our system does not value its farmers or give them the same respect as one tends to do with the more illustrious stem professionals which means that the current economic engine is so highly skewed towards the non-agrarian sector and we don't care a damn about it no newspaper no media channel will tell you that while india's gdp is growing the contribution of the agrarian sector is dropping from 16% to 15.8% 15.8 to 15.5% nobody talks about this inequality which is happening now these indicators are built into the gdp but we only put up the gdp now whatever is the obsession with the gdp equally same as the obsession with carbon 400 ppm of carbon that's one singular measure it implies a lot of things but it also hides the fact there are so many qualitative things in nature which cannot be measured and even reducing the carbon emission is not going to improve lakes or aquatic ecosystems or forests so many things it is just going to reduce the carbon emissions of economic activities that's it so we should be also taking the carbon emission 400 ppm with equal amount of salt that we are taking the gdp with and that's the big problem with these one uh, one number indicator kind of thing and as you said there are many indicators which are available which uh, capture the prosperity of society in a far better way but they are very difficult to measure that data is doesn't come easy some of that data is subjective some of that data is not very politically convenient there are huge political costs of presenting such data to the voting public and therefore it never comes out to society all right so agrarian problems aren't as interesting to us as the ones celebrities go through so what why is my attention necessary to solve a problem with that's there in some part of the world what are my eyeballs capable of garnering that is so vastly impactful 
well solutions each one of our attention like an atom in a molecule of air a drop in the bucket of water an inch of space in a 6 pm dadar local every little bit counts our attention is fundamental that which we see we solve or at least we try to and that which we don't well it festers which means our ignorance towards all that is priceless is blinding us to all that we need since 1995 over 3 and a half lakh agrarian suicides have been reported in india that works up to an average of 39 lives lost every single day for nearly 3 decades why is this happening